0: Welcome to the Women's Wellness Psychiatry Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I'm your host, Anna Glazer, MD, a reproductive and integrative psychiatrist, here to help you make sense of the complex world of women's mental health. If your goal is to improve your emotional well being, find fulfillment, and feel like your best self, you're in the right place. Welcome, my listener friends. In this episode, we're talking about psychotherapy. Therapy is one of the gold standard treatments for so many different mental health concerns. It's valuable whether you have a condition like depression or anxiety, or if you're struggling with life transitions or challenges, or even if you'd like to learn more about yourself and improve your relationships. And so I want to help you learn about the different types of psychotherapy styles out there. And if you're a clinician listening to this podcast, share with you the ways that I describe the different approaches to my patients. Psychotherapy is a gold standard treatment option for many mental health conditions. Some folks might be confused. You're asking right now, why is a psychiatrist like myself talking about psychotherapy? I thought that was something that psychotherapists and psychologists did. So that's a common misconception, the difference between a psychologist and a psychiatrist. All psychiatrists are actually trained in psychotherapy, and the style depends a bit on where they trained. For example, in my residency training, we had experience with cognitive behavioral therapy, psychodynamic psychotherapy, group approaches, and a few others. What I like to do is match the therapy type more to the symptoms of the individual patient and their goals rather than a specific diagnosis. So I'm not going to say that for anxiety, use this type of psychotherapy. Instead, it really matters what type of anxiety. If your anxiety has a lot of catastrophic thoughts, you might benefit from a style of therapy that's different than if your anxiety feels more physical and more in your body. The most important part is having really good rapport with your therapist. And that doesn't necessarily mean that the very first psychotherapist that you meet is going to be the best fit for you long term, just like you didn't necessarily marry the very first person you ever went on a date with. It takes some time to connect with a new therapist, and I often encourage my patients to take a few sessions to really see what the connection is like. And research shows that the relationship with the therapist, which is sometimes called the therapeutic alliance, is often the biggest predictor of how effective the therapy will be. So there's several different types of psychotherapies, and by no means is the following an exhaustive list, but these are the ones that I tend to use with patients or the ones that I refer my patients to and those that have been studied in the literature. Now, just because there's literature and research on a particular style of psychotherapy doesn't mean it's necessarily better. It could just mean that it's easier to study. So for example, there are some types of therapies that are very time-limited. For example, 12 weeks, 12 sessions, or 16 weeks, 16 sessions, and that might make it much more simple to study in a research protocol than the type of psychotherapy that can take several years. So let's dive into discussing a few different kinds of psychotherapy styles. Let's start with cognitive behavioral therapy (CBT), which is one of my favorites. At the core of CBT is the cognitive triangle. The cognitive triangle is the relationship between your feelings, thoughts, and behaviors. If you imagine a triangle, And each of the three points is one of those three things. Thoughts, emotions, feelings, and then behaviors. And then there's bi-directional arrows that go from each one to the other. So there's definitely a relationship between how your thoughts influence your feelings, how your feelings influence behaviors, and then in the other direction as well. One of the fathers of CBT, Aaron Beck, who actually just passed away last year, is one of the writers of the Anxiety and Worry workbook, which is one of my favorites for using CBT strategies to manage anxiety. And I'll put a link to that workbook in the show notes page. The way that CBT works is that it explores those relationships between those three aspects of the cognitive triangle. It helps you notice thought patterns that aren't helpful. And the fancy term for those is cognitive distortions. And there's different kinds of cognitive distortions. Let's go over a couple of the most common ones. The first is catastrophic thinking. Catastrophic thoughts are those where you take something, for example, the thought, I made a mistake at work, and then you get on what I call the catastrophe train, and you stop at a whole bunch of different stations. You go from, I made a mistake at work, to I'm going to get fired, all the way to becoming destitute. You get on that train and you ride it all the way to the very last stop. Another really common type of cognitive distortion is black and white thinking or all or nothing thinking. So, for example, this comes up really frequently with those who have decided, I'm going to try to eat healthy. And then they decide that there's really just one way to do it and you're either on track or off track. So, if you have a lunch on, let's say, a random Wednesday, And it doesn't quite go according to plan. Maybe you have the dessert that you hadn't really been planning on having, or maybe you have a donut that someone had brought into the office, or you participate in the office pizza party, and then you throw your hands up. You decide that all is lost, and you're off track, and that you're a failure. You've decided that it's either all or nothing. And with that kind of all or nothing thinking, it's really hard to get back to your goals. If you've already decided that you failed, then it's really easy to feel frustrated or hopeless and just throw your hands up for all of the rest of the meals for the rest of the week, rather than treating it as one meal out of the 21 that you have in any given 7-day week. So that's what I mean by black and white thinking, or all or nothing thinking. That's one type of cognitive distortion. And there's many different kinds of cognitive distortions, and a good cognitive behavioral therapist will help you figure out the ones that you're most susceptible to and teach you the tools to be able to reframe those cognitive distortions, those thought patterns that are not working for you, that aren't helping you. Most of the time, CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, is really structured, so your therapist will often assign you different kinds of homework. So for example, you might be assigned the homework of noticing what kinds of automatic thoughts you have, and creating evidence for or against those thoughts. After cognitive behavioral therapy, I want to next talk about mindfulness-based therapies. And I will refer you at this point to the episode four of this podcast, which was focused on introducing you to mindfulness and mindfulness-based psychotherapies, many of which came from John Kabat-Zinn, one of the founders of mindfulness-based psychotherapy. From the combination of CBT and mindfulness, Come additional types of therapies, for example, mindfulness based cognitive therapy. There's actually some really good data on the use of MBCT in treating certain kinds of perinatal conditions, such as depression during pregnancy. The next type of therapy I want to mention is called IPT, interpersonal psychotherapy. This type of therapy emphasizes how relationships and interpersonal connections impact our mental health. So often, the focus is on a role or identity transition, for example, becoming a new mother, or on certain kinds of losses or grief, or other kinds of major life transitions. So for example, a new job or a significant move. Like CBT, it can definitely be time-limited and structured. But in contrast to CBT, where the focus is more on thoughts and beliefs, here the focus is more on relationship dynamics. The next therapy I want to mention is ACT, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy. This therapy focuses on accepting negative emotions. This is something that's so challenging, especially if this wasn't something that you were taught in your home growing up. I've worked with many patients who described that when they were growing up, emotions, particularly negative emotions, weren't acknowledged weren't validated, and maybe you don't even have a language to describe what those emotions are. So you can develop a pattern of pushing away and resisting these kinds of emotions, but they don't actually go away. The visual that I like to think of is that old-fashioned game whack-a-mole where you kind of whack one of those moles with the mallet, but then it pops up somewhere else. And that's what happens with these kinds of negative emotions that you push away. They do end up popping up in other ways. So, the important part is learning to sit with and accept that emotions and negative emotions are things that you have as a human. You have emotional experiences, including negative emotional experiences, and learning to sit with those and accept those in a non judgmental way. Some of the other elements of ACT include learning to be present and defining yourself and your values. And then, committing to certain actions and behaviors that are going to bring you closer to those values and your specific goals. The sixth type of therapy that I want to mention is called psychoanalysis and psychodynamic psychotherapy. This is often what we think about and what we're talking about when we say classic psychotherapy and Freud. We're talking about psychoanalysis, which is the type of therapy that involves multiple appointments every week, usually at least three, four, or five. And psychodynamic psychotherapy is an outgrowth of that, but one that can be accomplished at one appointment per week. But it follows many of the same principles. The focus is on gaining insight about yourself, your emotions, how your mind works, your relationship with your world, and how your past experiences influence your present. The seventh type of therapy I want to mention is actually a collection of psychotherapies specifically used. For helping those with a history of trauma or a diagnosis of PTSD, post traumatic stress disorder. This includes somatic experiencing therapy or somatic therapy, which focuses more on the body and how we experience emotions and sensations in our body. And there's an emphasis on mindfulness and grounding techniques. The next one is EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing therapy. This takes traumatic memories. And uses a combination of eye movements and rhythmic right left movements like taps to reduce the vividness of those memories. EMDR actually has really good data for PTSD, but it can also be a really intense experience. So I always let my patients know who are interested in this type of therapy that they need to be in a good place in order to be able to do this type of psychotherapy work. And just as an aside, psychotherapy in general. Is something that can be challenging. The goal is your growth, and it's really hard to grow unless you're actually being challenged, unless you're going through some periods of discomfort in order to get towards your goals. So, psychotherapy isn't necessarily something that's easy. It's actually something that is very hard and challenging, but so worthwhile. The third type of therapy I wanna mention for processing trauma is called cognitive processing therapy which is a specific type of CBT for post-traumatic stress disorder. The next type of psychotherapy I want to mention is called ERP, exposure and response prevention. And the most common types of conditions that do really well with this type of therapy is obsessive-compulsive disorder and certain phobias. Basically what it does is that it exposes you to the stressful situation in a safe environment. So the classic example is a fear of germs. The treatment might have you gradually increase your exposure to a germ, for example, by touching a doorknob, and then to sit with the emotions and the anxieties that come up, rather than doing a compulsive behavior like washing your hands. One example I've seen quite a bit in my clinic is when a new mom has some obsessive thoughts about the health of her baby. So her compulsive behavior might be constantly seeking reassurance from the pediatrician or from others or doing some of these really extensive deep dives into Google searches. The goal here would be to prevent that reassurance seeking behavior and learn to sit with that distress and use coping skills to manage it and see it improve over time. That resolution phase is so important. One of the skills that I teach a number of my patients is to create a ladder of exposure when we're doing this type of work. To think about, okay, if I have to build this ladder and we have 10, at least 10 different rungs, and the first rung is something that maybe I'm a little bit uncomfortable doing, but I absolutely can do. And number 10 is something that's so far out of my comfort zone that I can't even imagine doing this is something that would immediately lead me to a feeling of panic and anxiety. And the goal is to create that ladder and slowly work our way up that ladder of exposure, making sure that we can get through each rung to make sure that it begins to feel more tolerable before we move on to the next. The next type of therapy I want to mention is narrative therapy. The key crux of narrative therapy is that you are the expert on yourself and you can rewrite your life story. And finally, the last two types of therapies I want to mention have been specifically looked at for borderline personality disorder, but they can actually be applied much more generally. The first is DBT, which is Dialectical Behavior Therapy. It's an offshoot of CBT, and one of the fathers of DBT is... Marsha Linehan, I suppose I should say one of the mothers of DBT. And the focus of DBT is on emotional dysregulation, distress tolerance skills, using mindfulness tools, and becoming more interpersonally effective. It can be a really practical type of psychotherapy, and it's available either one-on-one with a therapist or as a group. It can be done really successfully in a group environment. And I find it so helpful that I actually refer many of my patients to various DBT groups in my area. The other type of psychotherapy that was originally created to help those with borderline personality disorder is called mentalization. This was studied as an effective treatment for BPD, and it's based on psychodynamic principles. What is mentalizing? It's basically how we define our thoughts and emotions, our mental state, and recognize how different it is than someone else's potential mental state. So this therapy helps you grow this particular type of recognition skill. So those are a number of different therapies that I wanted to mention here. And of course, it's not an exhaustive list, but these are some of the most common ones. CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, mindfulness-based therapies, MBCT, mindfulness-based cognitive therapy, IPT, interpersonal therapy, ACT, acceptance and commitment therapy, psychoanalysis and psychodynamic psychotherapy, therapies to help process trauma like somatic therapy, EMDR, and cognitive processing therapy, exposure and response prevention therapies, narrative therapy, and dialectical behavioral therapy and mentalization. Now, for many clinicians, myself included, We prefer to integrate multiple different approaches depending on the needs of a particular patient. What's most important, what I'm going to emphasize now, which is where we started today's podcast, is that it's super important to find a therapist with whom you have a good connection. Ask questions. Ask questions about their approach. And then be sure to set goals early on and plan with your therapist how you're going to work towards those goals. And periodically reassess them. I think therapy is such an amazing tool for all of us, whether you're someone who's struggling with certain kinds of psychological and emotional challenges, whether you're going through something difficult in your life, or whether you really just want to become better at interacting with your world and the people around you, and you want to grow as a person. Psychotherapy with the right therapist is something that can help you grow as a person and meet your goals. And if you haven't already, I strongly encourage you to consider it. Like I've said, it can take a few tries to find the best therapist for you, but it's worth investing that time, energy, and effort. And if you previously didn't know where to start, I hope this podcast episode has helped you learn about the types of psychotherapies out there so that you can begin your search. Thanks for joining me for this week's episode. As you know, my goal is to share with you the most helpful information that moves you towards emotional well being. If you have suggestions or questions, I'd love to hear those. And I also always appreciate a rating that will help others find this valuable content. I'm looking forward to connecting with you again next week. Please note that while I am a clinical doctor, this podcast is not a substitute for nor should be taken as medical advice. No specific health advice is being given on this podcast and no physician-client relationship is created by you listening to this podcast. All information provided on this podcast is for informational purposes only.